Hello and welcome to Ways Women Lead, the podcast where remarkable female leaders share their personal journeys and offer valuable guidance on advancing your career as a woman in leadership. Join host Anna Gramadska and her guests as they delve into various aspects of leadership, including diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is brought to you by Six Group, a global executive search and leadership advisory firm. Rachel, uh, welcome to Ways Women Lead. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. So you have had a fantastic career with over 20 years experience in R&D, product development, portfolio management, working for leading FMCG, medical devices and pharmaceutical businesses, including Reckitt, Bayer, Abbott. Your passion lies in building high-performing agile teams while driving innovation and faster time to market. This is what you have been focusing on for many of those years. So I'm really, really excited to delve a little bit deeper into that and hear uh, some of your learnings, advice, some of specific stories to set yeah. the context. I'm really interested here. What is your leadership journey? Well, for me, when I think about my career, it's really about being uh, the pursuit of personal growth and, and adaption. So over the years, I've been really fortunate to work alongside some remarkable leaders who have been able to, to learn from, and they've really influenced my philosophy on leadership. Um, I know that early in my career, I really held in high esteem the real direct and action-orientated leaders. Um, I really admired that, and I could really see the effectiveness of that approach, especially in a you know, a fast-changing environment. However, while I still value these attributes, I think as I have matured in my career, I've been exposed to more different situations, contact with different kinds of challenges, more uh, the impact of leading with empathy, and particularly in a really dynamic, changing environment where there's a lot of complex situations and a lot of change. I think leading with empathy, I've really seen a more nuanced approach to, to leadership. And mm -hmm. I've seen that be highly effective and motivating mm -hmm. across organizations and teams. Why do you think it's crucial to lead with empathy and how does it impact organizations positively? Yeah. I mean, my personal experience is that it really shines is really effective in periods of uncertainty and change. And I think that is really common now in a, in a dynamic work environment. Everyone is facing constant change. We're constantly changing. Um, and I think that you can see with that empathic leadership style that leaders who, who generally care, genuinely care about the team members, they take the time to understand their, uh, their employees' motivations, uh, they actively listen, they want to create an atmosphere of trust within their organisation and their teams. I really feel that's really motivating as an employee and for teams mm -hmm. and that if you've got have a leader that's invested in personal growth of their employees, you know, and want them to perform at their best and are willing to listen and identify how to support them, 
this is really reciprocal. And I think you have an organization of employees and team members who really want to give back as well. So it's a symbiotic mm -hmm. relationship. And I think this really drives organizational success uh, and fosters really that shared vision. And you mentioned earlier that when you started uh, your leadership journey, uh, you focused more on this direct and action-oriented yeah. leadership. That's that's the leadership type that you encountered more. Mm -hmm. um, and in our previous conversations, you also said that you still deem this leadership style, uh, you know, effective. I I believe probably I guess in certain situations, right? It depends exactly, on the situation. it's situational. Um, leadership, uh -huh. leadership needs to be situational. So uh -huh. it's knowing when to step in and when to step back. And um, uh -huh. understanding what the team, team needs in that moment. In crisis situations, you know, that may be when you need to step in with a more directorial leadership style and mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. set the direction and, and make decisions quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But in most instances, we're not in crisis situations. And mm -hmm. that allows you to flex other situations. You know leadership styles and mm -hmm. allows you to allows the time really for your team to come up with the solutions and give them that space to to do that mm -hmm. I, I really do think that directorial leadership is really comes into its own in a crisis when decisions need to be made quickly or the team are lost in the direction mm -hmm. but I think it's it's really important to take a step back and and to use that to, to not flex immediately to that. Mm -hmm. I think you really need to allow the time to ensure that you know their voices are heard, that you're fostering a sense of ownership mm -hmm. and collaboration first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you can foster that trust and collaboration, you you can get to a position where you can ask your team, "Do you?" what do you need from me? And I think that's mm -hmm. always a good starting point. What do you need from me? And, mm -hmm. and if you've built that trustful collaboration, team members can say, I, I need you to make the decision. Or they can mm -hmm. say, I need help to talk mm -hmm. through this and I need a sounding mm -hmm. board. And I think mm -hmm. it, it's understanding that. But I think the temptation to, to step in, you have mm -hmm. to deny that temptation to step in and actually mm -hmm. understand when it's appropriate and not, and to ask the right question. You said something very important, uh, because you have built that trust earlier, mm -hmm. the team members feel comfortable telling you what they need, right? If, yes. If we talk a lot about psychological safety yes. um, because of the work that we uh, are conducting for, for a lot of organizations we're working with, and, and this is a very good example of that, where that psychological safety really pays off in terms of helping you to be more effective leader. You've built psychological safety, you've built the trust. And so when the situation is difficult, your team members don't feel, you know, fearful telling you, frankly, what exactly. do they need? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think you've managed to foster that open dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, people feel much more comfortable to, for asking for help when they need help. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also for saying, actually, I have this, but this is this is where you might help me. So, so building that psychological safety is really is really important as a leader um, mm -hmm. to really get the best the best out of any situation and your team members and your, and yourself. Uh, I always do like to ask about a specific situation. Can you think of a specific example when you had to pivot, uh, you know, from one leadership style to another? I think an example earlier, early in my career, I, I uh, came into a role. I was leading a team 
And in the first few weeks of moving into this leadership position, we had a project that basically went completely off the rails. We had a, a massive uh, project failure. And I think in, in this situation, I would normally have the, answer, have the answers or the solutions, at least in my head, to you know about mm-hmm. what we needed to do. But in this instance, it was new. It was a new team. It was a new technology to me. This is when I really realized the power of pivoting and not necessarily having a directorial leadership where I could actually go to the team with a little bit of humility and vulnerability and frame the challenge, uh, be quite honest and say, I really need your support to find the answers here. And mm-hmm. um, what do you think is the best course forward? And I think it really flipped in the room because they'd expect me to come into the room and say, this is the plan. This is mm-hmm. how we're going to deal with it. But actually mm-hmm. flipping it back on the team and saying, mm-hmm. actually, I need your help to find the plan. And um, it really opened the dialogue and we, you know, brainstormed creative solutions. Nobody felt uncomfortable to suggest things that they might have thought mm-hmm. were ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And we came up with a creative solution which helped us to actually bring the project back on track mm-hmm. and, and can communicate that really effectively mm-hmm. in the organisation. And uh, it really fostered a really strong team spirit. And actually, mm-hmm. through that exercise, it actually built trust and, you know, built psychological safety. But it did mean that I had to be a little bit vulnerable and um, mm-hmm and expose myself which at that time is a little bit uncomfortable as a leader to go Mm. and say actually I don't know the answers to this I need your help um but actually it made me realize a powerful aspect to leadership it's not about having the answers yourself it's about fostering an environment where you get the best from your team and allow them to find the solutions and and I understand from that experience, you've really um, seen in practice that this works and you've been replicating that mm-hmm. throughout your mm-hmm. career. It's it's really interesting to hear because um, there's so much talk now about psychological safety and yeah. vulnerability. But historically, you know, showing vulnerability, um, at least in the mind of a leader quite often, yes. was, was, was this concept that vulnerability is a weakness. Exactly. And many leaders... No matter what happens, the last thing they wanted to do or to show is that they don't have the answer or, or, or you know, or, or, or they don't know what to do. And they've been struggling. I've been reading a lot about it recently. We've, we've been discussing a lot about it with our clients and leaders ask for advice. You know, how can I do that? How can I show vulnerability, you know, in small steps? Yes in a way that it doesn't, you know, undermine, you know, my position as a leader, that mm-hmm. people still trust me, that I I can lead them, uh, yeah. you know, lead the team towards better results while at the same time showing yeah. that there are things I don't have an answer to. Exactly. And I think some of the, I say, the historical leadership st- styles I saw earlier in my career were very much directorial. They were very much, I know everything. I know the path forward. You know, follow me. This is the way to do things. And you saw these strong leaders who seemed infallible. But I have been really lucky in my career to be exposed to different types of leadership Mm -hmm. and you know senior female leaders in organizations 
um, who had very different leadership styles. And I think that was probably when I was exposed initially to first that, yeah, I guess I'm more humble and more mm -hmm. empathetic leadership style with a little bit humility. I've personally experienced that when I've seen that uh, shown by a leader to be really powerful and really mm -hmm. appreciated that leadership style. So it, it, it showed me that there were different different ways to lead mm -hmm. um, and that there is one style fits all. And I, I was lucky to be exposed to that earlier in my career. Mm -hmm. I mean, some excellent female leaders um, mm -hmm. I, I was exposed to. I think one powerful situation was where we were having poor business results. Um, it was a challenging business situation. We'd had some setbacks on projects, some difficult decisions to be made and, and morale was quite low. And actually um, this leader took her leadership team into a role and, and actually was vulnerable and actually set out the challenges that we faced. And through that vulnerability and that humility, uh, you open the dialogue for us mm -hmm. as a leadership team to be creative, to have open discussions, to talk about what we felt hadn't gone well and how we could have addressed how we could address that, to talk about where we needed support from one another or where we perhaps uh, you know felt things had not gone well or we'd not performed well as a team. And I think that's opportunity self reflection allowed us to really feel re-energized as a team mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to set a clear direction and to have a path forward that we felt confident about. So from a, a point of actually feeling quite demoralized, it's not a good situation, to come out then with a clear path forward to, to identifying the way forward, feeling energized as a team and supported mm -hmm. by your colleagues. It was a real, it was a real powerful meeting and that was my first exposure to it how actually mm -hmm. leading with humility and a little bit of vulnerability can mm -hmm. really bring out the best of a team it's a, it's amazing to hear that so many examples uh, from your from your experience showing that it works it, it really works because i i think it can be very counterintuitive for for many people who I used to this more traditional leadership style, as we, as we yeah. said earlier. So when we talked earlier, you mentioned to me um, that um, the many, there were many powerful leaders who have inspired you to lead that way, mm -hmm. and that you've learned a few strategies and, and habits uh, from them uh, that allowed you to you know, embrace a similar leadership style. Uh, and thanks to that to be a, a more effective leader. Do you have some advice for all the people who are learning to be leaders and, and who really want to adopt similar leadership style, maybe on, you know, simple habits, simple strategies yeah, yeah. that they can start applying today that won't be too scary, you know, because yeah. as you mentioned earlier, it can sound scary <laughs> being vulnerable. The thing that has most helped me in my career <laughs> has been feedback asking for mm -hmm. feedback, um, seeking feedback, encouraging people to give you feedback, whether that's your peers, your boss. You normally get feedback from your past, but, boss, but getting, asking your peers for feedback and asking your team, people who report to you for feedback. I've actually found the most powerful feedback to be from my own team members. 
And that, again, relies psychological safety and trust because mm -hmm. uh, you're in a more powerful position than your you know, direct reports. So um, asking them for feedback and, you know, getting the gift of feedback from them can be really, really mm -hmm. powerful for you and your own personal develop, personal professional mm -hmm. development. Um, I think encouraging that feedback culture is really imperative to a successful organization, successful team and also a successful pro professional career. So you make it sound very easy. Have you had, uh, you know, situations where you've received feedback that you disagreed oh, with or weren't um, so, <laughs> or weren't so uh, yeah, you know, I happy mean, about or maybe? <laughs> I mean, feedback can always be uncomfortable. You know, feedback uh -huh. can, can be difficult uh -huh. to give as well as to take yeah. because yeah. you might not agree with it or the person that you're so you're giving feedback to you may not agree with it. I and mean, I think it's always important when you give feedback to say, this is what I observe. This mm -hmm. is my understanding of the situation. So, so really depersonalizing in that way. I think it, it can be challenging and that's why it's important to practice it because mm -hmm. that way it becomes easier and it becomes more, more routine and every day. And, mm -hmm. and feedback, feedback is, is not always negative. It, it should be positive as well. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, telling people what the grades are or what they did well in is really motivating. If someone said mm -hmm. to you, I really like how you picked up that point in the meeting and re-emphasized it, you're like, oh, thanks. And it tells mm -hmm. you what to do more of. So feedback, shouldn't be something to be feared it should be something to mm -hmm. enjoy and certainly you know being able to tell people hey in that meeting I thought you handled that situation really well they were tough questions and you you really mm -hmm. knew your stuff and you really gave some very perceptive answers there or you managed to control that meeting and keep us on track well you know it, it can be just small things or, or they can be much more significant but you know, when you get once you get into the habit of giving people feedback, and you know, practice giving the positive feedback is a little bit is is a nice soft way of getting into the habit of actually giving feedback, mm. um, because then you're not always thinking of feedback as to be a negative flex. It's actually yeah. could be a, a very positive flex where you're actually calling out really, re really good behavior, really good approach, really good thinking. Of styles of work yeah yeah and actually I, I had a guest in in one of the previous episodes um emmy marietta who uh, talks a lot about imposter syndrome um and she did say that uh what's important is giving feedback actually this can really really help to get rid of that imposter syndrome and, and help people understand that uh yes they do deserve this role yeah <laughs> uh, so 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 yeah it's very important the positive feedback um also the fact that you ask for feedback as a leader helps your team to feel more comfortable receiving this feedback as well mm -hmm. yeah i think it's just about making it part of everyday work so mm. for example it can be as simple as um, you can make it fun. So like if you have a meeting in your team, it's like, okay, let's score how effective this meeting would be. One thing that went that you really liked about mm -hmm. this meeting, one thing that you think you can improve on. And mm -hmm. it's like a no blame. It's fun. It's lighthearted. And, you know, you can write something mm -hmm. quite trivial down like, oh, I like that we all had you know, coffee together or mm -hmm. meeting over at. It's still mm -hmm. feedback, you know, you know that 
actually we need to be more timely and not allow things mm-hmm. to overrun. But mm-hmm. it's about flexing it and making it part of everyday work environment mm-hmm. where, where feedback is is not seen as a, as a big thing or a negative thing. It's, it's part mm-hmm. of everyday business. And I completely agree about the imposter syndrome. I think giving people feedback in the moment it really helps people's confidence. Uh, it really allows them to to know what they're doing right, uh, as, you know, so that they can flex that even more. And like, it shows that you are actually invested in that person mm-hmm. and that you care about them to some degree mm-hmm. to, to the, into their professional development and success. I think that's really motivating and gives you a sense of um, togetherness and you know a cohesiveness in an organization yeah and uh, in the end this is your role as a leader to ensure that people who report to you they uh, they have that guidance in terms of uh, what they're doing right and where they can improve so um i wanted to ask you uh going back to to your professional journey so mm-hmm. your background is uh, academia and then you moved yes. uh, to the industry and I believe you've had uh, some interesting challenges and learnings, yeah. right? It's two different environments. So what have been the biggest challenges and learnings from that transition? I think moving from academia to industry was a big, well, as I was like a transformative moment for me in terms of my re- approach. Um, so it, it, it required a shift of emphasis for me so in academia a lot is on uh, a lot of emphasis on written reports and detail and methodologies and and results and really the communication style is is more written there there is some lectures but it's more lecturing at and a, a sharing of fact and information and when I ref- and then when I moved into business I vividly remember like one of my first presentations where I, I applied the, the tools that I'd learned in academia and I, I really cringe at my you know first early attempts in that you know they, they were really weren't interesting you know there was too, my presentations were too detailed you know they didn't have clear conclusions or allow a decision to be taken um, mm-hmm. to progress and, and and talking about feedback actually at, at the time a female leader actually spoke to me and gave me feedback and said how how do you think that went well and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. basically says how, how did I think it went and I, I reflect it allowed me an opportunity to reflect and air uh, well I don't think I lost people's attention um and it allowed me then to, you know, change, change, change my style and realize that I needed to flex and have a different uh, presentation style. And it was a, a more around being engaging, being persuasive, tailoring my presentation to the decisions that needed to be made, sharing the information that was only pertinent to the decision making. So it really was an opportunity where I learned the importance of effective communication mm-hmm. and also storytelling, the importance mm-hmm. of storytelling in a corporate environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for effective storytelling? Any any technique that you use that helps you? Well, there's there's the hero's journey, which is mm-hmm. a technique. Um, but I, I, I personally, if I've got a story to tell, I, I would... Um, and I try it out 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. ask someone and say, this is my story. Is it simple? Is it mm-hmm. clear? And, and mm-hmm. get feedback. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big advocate mm-hmm. for feedback. If I have a story, mm-hmm. is it interesting, mm-hmm. compelling? Do you get the key, key mm-hmm. messages from it? But it's always worthwhile sharing with someone else, sharing mm-hmm. with someone and getting their feedback. Someone will be mm-hmm. honest. Do you know, uh-huh. uh, give you that honest feedback. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, what's the what's the hero's journey? Is that is that the three steps when you uh, put the context, the problem, and then how you solve it? Um, it's um, it's it's a nice uh, it's a nice circular story where uh-huh. you talk about the situation, the challenges uh-huh. to overcome, the uh-huh. setbacks that you then. Uh-huh had and then eventually yeah. you result as a hero yeah um, yeah yeah I, I think uh one of the examples that's used in training is they use star wars uh, as, uh-huh. as an example for the hero's journey uh-huh. so um but there's an and there can be a lot more detail to it yeah yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. you look up the hero's journey so, so you can really build a, a compelling yeah. story case yes but yes we've uh attention to it it's how to add tension and excitement through the story so you keep the listener entertained uh, yes yes I, I knew it I didn't realize this is what it was called I love I love the title it, it makes sense you said the context obviously so the listener knows what's going on and then you talk about the challenges and setbacks so there's a little bit of drama a little bit of exactly. emotion <laughs> and then you talk about um, the solution you've implemented so it you know, lifts the whole story exactly. up and yeah. leaves the happy ending. So uh, <laughs> it kind of plays on emotions as well, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Okay, focusing a little bit more on uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. What's your story with diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Uh, my passion for DI grew as I uh, took over responsibility for developing uh, you know, graduate programs, leadership programs, and um, DI initiatives across organizations and teams. And I realized that the need for a more inclusive approach to really mature it. I think early on in my career, I attended DI um, leadership programs where there, there were no female representations on the panel. And then when I started to, to lead these initiatives, I really wanted to address that and introduce a more diverse panel so that we had a much more representative feedback to help with people's leadership development. I think as well, I, what I really think is important is, is when you're leading any DI initiative, is that you must listen to the underrepresented voices in your organization to be truly inclusive. And I think for more mature programs, you really want to have a more localized and tailored approach to DEI. So you're addressing specific concerns uh, alongside you know, the standard trainings and programs that are rolled out across organizations. I've seen tremendous benefit for having localized approaches, which involves the local team or or local function, where they identify what concerns they have locally and identify trainings or approach or how they want to manage that. 
And I think that really, I've seen that really drive engagement and participation in DI initiatives and really be uh, have a, a much stronger impact uh, on the overall programme by allowing that. It fosters inclusiveness, it fosters um, proactiveness, fosters self-awareness and organisational awareness, and, I th- and it ultimately incre- increases engagement. Uh, do you have maybe a couple of examples? Does anything stand out to you in terms of uh, specific DEI initiatives that you saw working particularly well, or maybe that you think organisations should do more of, that there's not enough of them? As I said, there's there's some great standardised programmes, but I've seen I've seen some great localised uh, programmes as well, where local teams have have come up with their own like poster initiatives uh, and their own talking uh, groups, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they talked around a particular topic on DI that they felt were really impacting their team, such as trust or inclusiveness, and were able to facilitate open discussion around that and the impact that was having on their work and how they felt having a more inclusive or trusting team or group would really help their performance. And I think that allowing teams to identify what it is, it might be a poster, it might be a symposium, it might be a talking, sh- uh, to know, a, a, to know, a lunchtime working chat, but allowing teams to, to lead those and to drive those, I think really drives participation and allows challenges to be discussed in a more open manner that are affecting mm-hmm affecting affecting their group such as you know I've seen uh, some great initiatives on disabilities and hidden disabilities that were not discussed um, and were able to be discussed much more openly and you know action actions taken in, in result of those conversations and again when it comes to the AI it's really important going back to the beginning of our conversation It'll only work, these conversations will only work if you have already built that environment of trust and psychological safety. Because a lot of the time you are asking people who are in minority to put themselves out there and talk about things that are not comfortable. So so again, without that psychological safety and trust within the organization, you won't be able to drive effective DEI initiatives because people just won't feel comfortable talking about what's needed. Yeah, and I think that's why DI, when you um, can localize it to to some degree, uh, can be very effective because people are you're allowing people to talk about it with their immediate team in their local area rather than a, a large corporate forum. It's quite imposing to go on a a webcast or a you know a large corporate forum forum and say how are you addressing menopause whereas perhaps in local team you know people would feel much more comfortable talking Mm -hmm. about menopause or other topics and there's that trust and that empathy um, and that support in place that you've built that open dialogue can take place and then that that can actually inform their Mm. corporate policies um, Mm. because it's come it's come from grassroots and it's at all levels through the organization versus top down it's actually coming up from from your employees through all levels 
Yeah, and, and I guess you feel more comfortable um, talking about it with, with people who you directly work with, right? Who, yes. who you know and have yes. known. Yeah, because yeah. Um, through, through this conversation... That, that's been yeah. my observation. And, you know, mm. we've seen topics. Uh, having led DII programs across organisations, actually, when we've allowed these local DI groups um, to discuss topics locally, you know, what has come back has, has not been what mm. from top mm -hmm. down. So mm. I, I really encourage that because it really allows local topics to bubble and they're very, di very diverse you know, very diverse. So, you know, topics that might come up from a site in India or South America might be very mm -hmm. different topics that you'd mm -hmm. perhaps might uh, rise in, you know, a site in France or in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, especially in global businesses, you know, you know, some topics are, are, are very difficult to talk about in some regions due to laws you know local mm -hmm. regulations mm -hmm. um and and obviously different different beliefs and values so it's it's really important that you foster an open dialogue but it's you know it's through compassion um empathy uh, and understanding we're all in different situations and our perspectives and maybe very different but it's about being respectful in those conversations and you know, showing mm -hmm. respect for one another and each of us values and opinions. Precisely. So um, to, to finish our uh, conversation, uh, I'll ask you a final question. Having experienced this fantastic career, which I feel we didn't, which only, we only scratched the surface <laughs> of, <laughs> but, we, but we got some useful advice. But what is the advice they would give to your younger self? Uh, embarking on a journey again of progressing yeah. the roles of increased responsibilities, wanting to become a leader of various teams and make an impact and, and drive a positive change, but also be effective, right? And, and yeah. And, and have a positive commercial impact as well as impact yeah, in the future. That, that's a good, that's a really good question. <laughs> what would I advise my uh, <laughs> uh, younger self? I think, I mean, we've already touched about feedback. I mean, we talked about feedback throughout this call. Feedback, definitely learn to feel comfortable giving it, learn to feel comfortable accepting it as well. Um, uh, seek it. Uh, make it part of you know your leadership style and how you work with your colleagues and peers and team. I, I think the second thing is back yourself. You do have to back yourself and to uh, identify ways that perhaps can help build your own confidence so you feel more comfortable asserting yourself and backing yourself. Mm -hmm. talked about the imposter mm -hmm. syndrome mm -hmm. what can I do that will make me feel comfortable to to mm -hmm. really what can I do to make myself feel comfortable and back myself and mm -hmm. I think surround yourself with people who are supportive who also believe in you that can be really helpful being surrounded by people who, who actually have your best interests at heart and and believing you can be can be really motivating. My other advice for seek out courage and mentor. Uh, one of the things that we've not talked about, but uh, one of the things that perhaps women haven't historically, well, should I say, one of the things that I, I think I would 
recommend myself to do is to seek out a mentor or a coach mm -hmm. and, and network with other women and, and network across organizations I think that is something that is perhaps not given as much um priority to I think I, I know essentially myself I focused on doing a good job and doing the best mm -hmm. job I could do um but you do need to network and um, to, mm -hmm. to network and and uh, to, to seek out those leadership roles thank you very much it's been a very very interesting and useful conversation i've really loved all the insights i really love how really nicely it's been seen in in practice how vulnerability building trust works to to make leadership effective thank you very much for for your time it's been an absolute pleasure okay thank you it's been lovely speaking to you today that's it for this month's Ways Women Lead episode. But there is plenty more insightful and actionable advice from where this podcast came from. Check out our website on www.6-group.com if you'd like to know more about how to build and develop diverse, inclusive and effective leadership teams and how to progress your career as a leader. See you next time.